Hey everyone, welcome to this new video where I talk about the future trends of customer experience. It's an annual habit that I have to list the trends of the upcoming year, so welcome to this new video. The, the first trend that I want to talk about is something that I'm truly passionate about. I, I really believe that we need to inject more positivity in customer experience. Because the reality is that it's, it's a dark world out there. I mean, if you, if you read the news, if you listen to the news, it's about all the issues that we have, you know, inflation, drop in buying power, geopolitical tensions. So it's like a dark and gray and rainy sky out there. And when it's been dark and rainy for a week, just ask yourself, what do you long for at a moment like that? And the answer is very simple. When it's been dark and gray for an entire week, what you are looking forward to are clear blue skies and a bright sun out there. And I think this is something that we need to take with us next year in customer experience. Make it more positive. We need more positivity and preferably positivity with impact. And I got really convinced about this um, during summer when I had one of the best days of the year. It was when I went to the movie theater to watch Top Gun Maverick. I mean, it was amazing. Eh? I'm sure many of you have seen the film. When the music starts, when you see Tom Cruise with his uh, motorcycle, I mean, at that point, you already know this is going to be, be one of the best movies ever, right? But if you make the analysis of the film, truth is that it's, it's, it's really feel good. I mean, it, it's about fighter jets, but no one dies. There are no bad guys in there. It's just a team of, of people who has to fulfill a mission. And the mission is impossible, but you know the moment that they get the mission that they will be successful. So the story is really straightforward. And then the question is, is this what the market wants, right? And the answer is, yes, this is what the market wants. Top Gun is like the best rated film ever. It's one of the most successful films in terms of revenue ever. So people really long for this, these positive vibes. And we need to bring this towards them. I really believe that we need to add the Top Gun effect in customer experience the next few months. People need that positivity. And if we can do it with impact, I mean, that's the really holy grail out there. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Mr. Beast. He's like the most popular YouTuber out there. He has more than 100 million followers. And, and the cool thing is the secret of, of his success is that he, he shares his, his wealth and his success with his followers. So he's like the biggest quiz master on the planet, if you ask me. Sometimes he says, hey, do you, wanna, do you wanna have $1 million? I'm gonna give you $1 million, but you have to spend it in the next one or two hours. And then, then he makes a creative video about that. So a, a big chunk of his money is just going back to his followers. And, and because of that, people just adore his videos. They're really cool, but he's also sharing. Like when he had his uh, 100 million follower on his channel, he gave that person an island for free. So crazy guy. And then his followers said, yeah, Mr. Beast, you're doing so many good things for us, but why don't you do things for the planet? And he said, well, okay, I agree, give me a challenge. And his followers said, well, we want you to plant 20 million trees. And he planted 20 million trees. And then they said, well, you know, Mr. Beast, the beaches are becoming really, really dirty. Can't you clean the beaches? And he said, okay, I'm gonna try. So they started to clean the most dirtiest beaches on the planet. And, and this is the entire philosophy, right? He's very popular, but he shares his wealth. It's super, super positive. It's super, super feel good. And this is what the market likes these days. And this is what we need to inject to our customer experience the next couple of years. Uh, it's like the evolution of work. People used to work with their, with their hands in the past. Today, most people work with their brain. In the future, if we wanna make a difference, it's about working from the heart because that is what the market needs at this point. 
uh, positivity with impact. The second trend that I want to talk about is the rise of empowered customer experience. I, I think that in the past, companies tried to tell their customers what to do and, and force them or guide them in a certain direction. Today, you feel that this, this doesn't work anymore. People don't want to be told what to do. What people like is that you offer a context, that you offer options, that you offer opportunities, and that they then can select what fits best with them in a positive way again. Uh, one of my favorite examples to explain this is Everytable. I met the founder of Everytable a few months ago when I was in Los Angeles. And, and this is a company that tries to do well. They want to offer healthy lunches at an affordable price. And what they do is they open up their stores in you know, the less rich neighborhoods in the US where the income is like lower than average. And what they want to do is they want to offer a healthy alternative. So they look at the price of a Big Mac meal and then they go 10% below that so that you have a healthy alternative. They don't force you to do it. They don't tell you to do it, but they offer the opportunity that you can eat something that is good for you at an affordable rate. And, and their mission is to make sure that every American citizen can eat healthy in an affordable way. And, and the cool thing is, even people that don't have money get the opportunity to enjoy. Because you know, if, if you and me would go and they would see that we can afford the $5 lunch, we have the opportunity to buy a second lunch, again, another $5, and then they give us a post-it. And we can put that post-it on the window outside. And then, for instance, when a homeless person walks by, they can take that post-it, walk in, and then they get the lunch that you paid for them. It's like the whole pay it forward philosophy. They don't force you to it but they offer that opportunity. And a lot of us, we like to share and give something to homeless people, but sometimes we don't do it because we're afraid they're gonna use the money for bad purposes. But in this philosophy, I mean, why not share a healthy lunch with someone who cannot afford it? And, and maybe the coolest thing is that in their stores, they make sure that the people who run the stores, who own the stores, it's a franchise concept, that they are people that are less fortunate. Uh, like opening a McDonald's is really expensive, but in every table, everyone can do it. They have their own university, they subsidize you, they make sure that you have cheap loans to make sure that people from the neighborhood have the opportunity to run it. You know, and, and this is giving people options. This is giving opportunities. This is creating a context where consumers and individuals can decide we're going to take this opportunity. And I think we're going to need this much more where we offer the opportunity, but where we empower our customers. You know, a lot of companies are lowering their budgets and their investments in customer experience. And of course, I understand why. But it's not always a good idea to lower the performance and the quality towards your customers. So I think we need to keep the positive mindset and keep bright customer experience in, in the next year. And to do so, there are like two lanes that we can go into. The one is, of course, that we can increase the efficiency of customer experience. And the other one is that we can increase performance. Uh, and like efficiency, Maybe today, more than ever, it's important to increase your quality of your digital convenience. If your digital channels are up to par, the chance that people will call you or will email you with additional questions just lower. So it helps you to increase the efficiency. And, and this is something that seems obvious, but it's still an action point for a lot of companies out there. Now, give me the, let me give you the positive example. Take Tesla. I don't know if you've ever been to the Tesla website. If you haven't, be careful if you go there because they have this button that says buy now, order now. And you have to take that button very, very seriously because if you push it, bam, you got a car. 
Uh, so digital convenience to its max potential. If you compare the Tesla website with some of the more premium car brands out there, and let me take a random example, I'm a BMW fan myself, so I will take them. I don't know if you've ever been to the BMW website and played with the car configurator. Um, I would recommend you not to do it unless you have like three hours spare time. You need to take half a day off to go to the car configurator because it's so complex that probably no one understands how it works. So because of that, the convenience levels are so low that you have the feeling, oh, I have to be an IT nerd to really get into that. And then it's not convenient enough. And then your efficiency in terms of customer experience is not at its full potential. So digital convenience can help us to increase the efficiency. If you look at the productivity, the performance, you know, there are a lot of things that we can, we can do. I hear a lot of people say, oh, we get so many requests. It means that we need more people in the contact center. That could be the case, but in many situations that I made the analysis, it's not that you need more people in the contact center. You have to increase your quality, increase the quality of your communication the proactivity of your communication so that you proactively avoid that people actually call to your contact center. Uh, it's like we're, we're not trying to solve the problem. We're just adding people to solve the same problem. That doesn't make sense. Today in this world, we can't afford that anymore. And, and the second thing to increase the performance of CX is to make sure that our frontline staff, the sales and service people are really empowered so that they on the spot can help customers on the spot can decide to compensate them so that they don't need to ask someone else. Asking someone else is inefficient, both for the customer and for your organization. And it's, it's those kind of you know, decisions and processes that we need to think about to really go to the next level and make sure that in times where we don't have max budget availability, that we can still keep the quality high up and that our customer experience is still bright. More and more customers expect you to use your strength to make a difference and use your influence to make a difference. Uh, today, the market expects you to become part of the solution of some of the problems we have in society. And, and today it's even stronger than that. If you're not part of the solution, you're like seen as part of the problem. You can't be neutral anymore. Switzerland, in terms of the business world and opinions, is completely gone. You cannot put your head in the sand. And the market knows that you have an influence. So in our customer relation, it's important to redefine our sphere of influence. Look, in, in the past, companies were really focused on their own company, right? And you act upon your own company and your industry, you try to influence it, and maybe in the world you, you just monitor it. This was the old world. You act upon your own company, you try to influence your industry, and you look and see what's happening in the world. Today, this is completely different. Today, an organization can actually act upon all levels. Of course, you act upon your own company, but also within the industry, you try to change things for the better. But even on a global macro level, you try to use your strengths to make a difference. And the customer knows that this is something you can do, and it's something that they expect you to do, that you use the growing influence that you have to change the world and to change the market in a positive way. Maybe this will be the year to reinvent your customer loyalty. Uh, there are too many companies who ask themselves the question, how can we make our customers more loyal to us? Whereas I believe it's not, this is not how it works. You need to turn this question around and ask yourselves, how can we 
show our loyalty to our customers. Loyalty doesn't start from the customer, it starts from you, the organization. And you know, it, it's something that I've been talking about and writing about in my Offer You Can't Refuse keynotes and in my, my book, The Offer You Can't Refuse, how we in customer experience need to move beyond the customer journey and also talk about the life journey. How can you create positive change in the life of, of customers and by doing so, they become loyal to us. And there's this beautiful example here. It's, it's Lululemon, it's a fashion retailer. Their mission is to make sure that people look good. They wanna do whatever they can to make sure that people look good. And, and of course, they, they do that by selling fashion and they try to create a good experience and they've been quite successful with that. But at a certain moment, they decided that they need to go beyond fashion to fulfill that purpose of making sure that people look good. So they acquired a company called Mirror it's like a tech company and you put this smart mirror in your house and then you can do workouts and you have all kind of data and information about it um, that helps you with your day-to-day -day workout from the comfort of your own home. So when a lot of people saw this, they were like, hey, this is strange. This is a retailer that is now actually buying a tech company. Are they changing lanes here? What is going on? But if you look to their purpose, we want to make sure that people look good, then it makes a lot of sense that they add the working out part to the fashion part. And, and now they're going beyond that. Now they're starting up a membership um, initiative where people pay an annual fee to become a Lululemon member. And it's a fee of like $128 that you have to pay. So it's quite an amount for, for a year membership. But of course they compensate that with, with free clothes and free fashion items that you get. But once you're part of this community, you get a lot of benefits. Like you get invited for yoga classes or for working out in a group. You get early discounts when they have some, some new products out. So you become part of that membership. And this is more than a loyalty card. Here you become part of the Lululemon community. You're part of a, a lifestyle community of people with the same interests. And by doing so, you become loyal to that community facilitated by Lululemon. And I, I love this example. This is for me one of those examples where a company completely reinvents customer loyalty by bringing value to the customer first and embracing them in a community, which is a completely different way of loyalty than the old way or how we were trained to do it in, in the old ways of marketing. What if you can help your customers to save and maybe make money by being your customer. This is a new philosophy in terms of, of customer loyalty. Uh, what, what if you create a shared interest where the customer can benefit from your success? Let, let me show you an example from Shein. Uh, Shein is maybe one of the largest, maybe the largest online fashion platform that we have right now. Uh, to give you an idea, there are more phones in the United States with the Shein app on it than you have phones with the Amazon app on it. It's huge. It's cheap and fast fashion. A lot of people criticize it, I'm aware of that, but their philosophy in creating a community and creating shared interest is something worth looking at. Like if you write a review or if you write something on social media about Shein, you will get points. So they have this loyalty point system and 100 points equals one US dollar. Now, if you know that like a shirt or a dress is usually cheaper than, than $10, then you have a lot of young people right now that are writing reviews like crazy to get free clothes from Shein. Uh, and you could say, yeah, but isn't this an old fashioned point system? No, because it's, it's different. Usually a point system means that you need to buy something and then you get points. Here, you get points by promoting Shein, by bringing in reviews, which is a different approach. 
And, and this is actually the way that they do marketing. They use their community to make a difference and the community is willing to do it because there's a shared interest. If I pro promote Shein, I will get free fashion um, as, a, as a gift or as a reward because of that. So can we figure out ways in our customer relation where the value for the customer and the value for the company is equal or is shared? Uh, the, a concept that I'm really fond of is, is the whole idea of branded economies, where you use new tech to create an economy for your customers, uh, where you can use NFTs, for instance, to create a, a new kind of business model. Let me give you a very concrete example. Imagine that you are a talented singer-songwriter and you hope to get a record deal, but you fail to get one. In the old days, it was game over. Uh, no record deal, no success. Today, all these young, talented singer-songwriters, they have their own TikTok channel, they have their own YouTube channel, Instagram, they have a community there. And once you have a community, you could say, okay, I don't need a record deal, I'm gonna sell my music as NFTs, and the NFT gives, gives people access to the music, and maybe I will give them some royalties as well, maybe I will share some of the results. Uh, and if you compare that with the old world, I mean, if you get a record deal, 90% of the money then goes to the record company and 10% goes to the artist, which is an old-fashioned system because usually the artist is doing most of the promotion themselves. In this new world, you launch your NFTs and 90% of the revenue is going back to the artist and 10% is shared with the first fans. Now, imagine what this does. I mean, imagine that you would get 10% of the revenues of Ed Sheeran, his music, that you were an early investor in Ed Sheeran. I mean, that would be amazing. So you create a shared value. They're not just consumers of your music, they become ambassadors, they become fans, and they will do whatever they can to make you successful because there is a shared interest. And because if you are successful, they are successful. And this works if you have something scarce. I mean, you cannot give this to everyone. You need a smart contract so that there is some value included in the whole system. And you need a community of people that believe in you and that are willing to join you in that journey. But if you have those three, you offer something that is scarce, you have something that brings value through smart contract and you have the community, well, then you can do something unique. And then you create your own branded economy, which means that there is a shared value for you as a company and your customers. And the value for the company and the value for the customer is equal. If you succeed in creating a relationship like that, what you actually do is you make sure that your customers make money by being your customer. A lot of organizations underestimate the power of micro decisions. Uh, and micro decisions are like small behaviors, small sentences that someone from the management is saying, and that has a huge influence on the behavior of your team. Um, one of the main challenges that I see why customer experience is not happening in the team or at, at a certain company is because the people in the field, they don't believe the managers. They're like, yeah, of course you're saying that I have to be customer friendly, but I don't believe you. Uh, and, and there's a gap very often. I see sometimes PowerPoints where the manager is saying, we need to go the extra mile. But like an hour later, they walk in the factory and then they say, yeah, but don't let customers run the factory. And you know, it's those small sentences that destroy the power of the PowerPoint file. A lot of managers believe, ah, we said it in a presentation, so now they will believe us. That's nonsense. It's not the presentation that convinces your team. It's the micro decisions and the micro sentences that you say. 
And because of that, because the team doesn't believe the management, there's very often a gap between the intentions of a company and the execution. I have the feeling that a lot of companies are what I call a diamond in the rough. They really have great intentions, but it never happens. And this is one of the challenges, I think, the next couple of years in customer experience, that you close that gap. Uh, a lot of companies are that diamond in the rough. And the question is, how can you become that beautiful, shiny diamond out there? And it's a complex question, but it begins by making sure that your team believes you that you're serious about customer experience. And for you as a manager, as a leader, it's crucial to understand that it's not your fancy PowerPoint presentation that will make the difference, but it's your micro decisions that will make it happen or not happen. Maybe it's time to TikTok eyes your interfaces. I don't know to what extent you're active on TikTok. Um, probably your children are. Uh, question is, can this TikTok interface help us to reinvent our own business interfaces? I mean, most people that I work with are not part of the TikTok generation. Most people that I work with are a little bit older and don't really understand what's happening there. The, the typical manager, the typical leader in an organization is still part of the Google interface generation. Now, we thought this was innovative. When, uh, when we grew up. But if you're honest, I mean, this is an endless list of links and then you have to figure it out yourself. Or imagine when you have to buy a house or rent a house. I mean, the, the list that you get is just endless. And, and maybe the worst of all is Netflix. I mean, I think most of you are Netflix users. I am one as well. But look at the interface. I mean, it, it hardly changed over the last couple of years. It hardly changed in the last five years. And a lot of people today, including myself, are suffering from what we call the Netflix syndrome. I don't know if you have the same issue, but the Netflix syndrome is like that feeling when you're at the, watching the last episode of a show that you like, and you don't know which one will be next, like that black hole out there. You know, if people then have to look for a new show, it takes on average 40 minutes. This is what they call the Netflix syndrome. I mean, this is because the interface is not up to par anymore, not up to speed. If you compare that with TikTok, I mean, TikTok is fast and easy, plus the algorithm is probably the best in the market. The downside is that you become really addictive to it. I mean, when I'm on TikTok, I have to be very careful because before I know it, I'm on there for more than an hour. You're, you, you're getting dragged into it. That's a downside. But the plus is this system really knows you well. So imagine that you could change your interfaces if you could change your website, your e-commerce platform, and use this e-commerce or this TikTok philosophy that's fast and easy with a great algorithm, that would change the ball game completely. Companies like Google with shopping and Amazon are in looking into this because they understand that this is the interface of the new generation. Time to TikTokize your interfaces. Maybe it's time to bring in the robots for our customer experience. In, in the past 10 years, I think the question that I got most often was this one. Like, Stephen, will robots steal our jobs? What will we do if AI does everything? That question doesn't come anymore. Today, the question is how fast are we going to have robots and AI that can actually do the job like a human does the job? And, and the reality is that a lot of companies don't find enough humans to create a fantastic experience. Like, let me share this anecdote with you. A, a couple of years ago, I was at JD, one of the largest e-commerce companies in the world, one of the best logistic partners and companies you can imagine. And I remember I was there and they told me, that the average delivery time when you ordered something online was like 30 minutes on average. And they delivered 
anywhere, any place, any time. And we were like, wow, huh? that's impressive. And then they said, no, 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 that's not good enough. We want to move to lightning delivery. So we want to deliver within five minutes. So we're going to predict when people will buy something before they actually push the button. That was what they were thinking about. Now, JD, one of the experts in logistics and in online and in delivery, they're coming to Europe. And reality is that they believe that they cannot use their business model in Europe because you do not have enough people to deliver the service standards that they want. So one of the first places that they went to is the Netherlands. And in Utrecht, they created a robotic store. Now, when you hear robotic store, a lot of you will say, ah, like Amazon Go. This is not like Amazon Go. Uh, Amazon Go is fantastic. You walk into the store, you take what you want, you walk back out, great. This is not what they do. What they do is they create a platform, a site, an, an app, where you can basically order everything, like it would be on Amazon, on, but on the Amazon website. You can get anything you want, but they don't deliver at home. You have to go to the city, and then they have that robotic store, there's not a human there, and the robot delivers that package to you. And this is what JD does because they feel there are not enough humans in Western Europe to deliver the service standards that they want to deliver. And this is what we're going to see more and more, the bring in the robots. I mean, I was traveling a lot in the last couple of months, and in almost every airport you have now robots bringing the food to the table because there are not enough humans to do the job. When I was in LA a couple of months ago, and these little robots, you see them in the wild all the time. They're like food delivery robots. You know, and, and I've seen it for many years, but they always had like a human chaperone with them. Now they're in the wild all by themselves delivering pizza and sushi. And they're doing a great job because there are not enough people to do the job. And this is something that a lot of us will experience if we want to deliver a certain quality standard. Only having humans to deliver that will probably not be good enough. So in the next couple of years, we're going to see more and more robots in the customer experience. Time to bring in the robots. Maybe 2023 will be the year where ambient intelligence is reborn. This is a, a term from the 1990s where someone said, what if devices all work together thanks to the information and the data that they get? And by doing that, they deliver a fantastic and invisible service to consumers. This was very visionary. Uh, we've been dreaming about this invisible CX for a couple of years. I have the feeling that we're getting stuck at a certain level. But there's more and more news that we're going to get closer and closer to that. Like Amazon announced that their Alexa is moving from a reactive tool where you ask questions to and then she performs to a proactive tool. Today, already 20% of Alexa's tasks in the US is proactive, where the customer doesn't ask a question first, but where the machine is doing something for the customer because the machine knows that the customer wants something or needs something. This is invisible CX. You don't do anything, but it just happens to you. Uh, imagine that you have an invisible bank that is just facilitating all your payments, that is communicating proactively towards you without you having to ask any question. Or imagine an invisible retailer where you have a service level that food is coming to you, where you don't have to ask for it, where you know what kind of ingredients you need to add to what you already have in your house to make a fantastic meal. Those kind of services is what I'm talking about here. We're not there yet, but in the next three to five years, we should be able to get this invisible customer service, ambient intelligence reborn. 
This was the last trend of this video. I hope you enjoyed the 10CX trends for 2023. Please share the video with others, subscribe to my channel, and I hope to see you again soon in one of my future videos. Thanks for being here, everyone. Take care.